Hello, this is Coach Tim Campbell, and I'm your host for the Self-Made is a Myth Make a Difference Together show, where we're talking with successful business owners to hear their stories of the journey to building their business. And because we know that achieving success in business is not something that we can do on our own, we recognize the folks that helped us to excel. And today I'm excited to have a fellow business owner from Texas with us today. My guest was born in Saudi Arabia to Indian parents and moved to the U.S. when he was 16. Now, that is a very cool uh, combination of things, isn't it? We'll learn a little bit more about that. He enjoys working out and anything to do with fitness and sports, and he's most proud of his wife's accomplishments and just loves to brag about her. So we'll hear, uh, we'll hear a little bit of that bragging here in a minute. It's my pleasure to welcome Muhammad to the show today. Hello, Muhammad. Hello, Tim. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, hey, let's start with having you um, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit of your personal story. Um, I shared a little bit of it already in terms of where you were born, but you know, where do you live now? Tell us about your family and some of your hobbies. Sure. Uh, yes. So as you mentioned, I was born in uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, to Indian parents and moved here when I was 16 to Kansas. And I went to a Catholic boarding school and then I moved to Houston to go to University of Houston because I was tired of staying in the dorms and away from my family. And at the time, my sister was living in Houston. So I decided to go to college here and live with her and eat home cooked food. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, in college, I met my uh, wife um, and I met her by virtue of me tutoring math to athletes at oh. the University of Houston. And she was on an athletic scholarship diving uh, on their swimming and diving team. And she's from Russia. And she had just come back from Sydney 2000 with a gold medal. And I was tutoring her math. And so that's how I met her. And we got married in 2006 in Bangalore, India. Her family flew in from Russia. And we had like this big wedding with 900 people. And we have two beautiful kids. Uh, my daughter is 12 years old. Her name is Sophia. And my son is a Mohsin and he's seven years old. And so they are Indo-Russian Americans. Uh, <laughs> so we live in Texas and I got to go to the Olympics again. My wife went to uh, Athens and in Beijing, but I accompanied with her to Beijing. And it was the most interesting thing being in the stands in the diving well. Uh, diving is a very big sport in China and China was the most likelihood to win uh, the Olympics in diving. So my wife was the main con contender to that gold medal. And in the audience, I'm probably the only Indian looking guy with Russian flags painted on my face and holding a <laughs> Russian flag. Can't speak a word of Russian, uh, but I'm American citizen. And you should have seen the looks I got in the audience they're like why are you here <laughs> right <laughs> and the russian fans came up to me and they're like you're not russian and i'm like no i'm not <laughs> and then the and then the chinese fans are like who are you there're no indian there're no indian athletes here what are you doing <laughs> so it was the most uh like uh awkward thing for me because i got the stares yeah. and the looks People are just genuinely curious, like, yeah. who is this guy? Uh, but nonetheless, it was a very, very interesting experience 
being in uh, watching my wife compete in the Olympics from the stands and uh, seeing her win, she ended up winning two silvers in Beijing. Um, and all in all, she has five Olympic medals from wow. uh, she's medaled at every Olympics that she's gone to. So, yeah, I do brag about her. She doesn't like it. She doesn't like <laughs> me talking about her medals. She's like, why do you do that? Like, it's, it's no big deal. Stop it. <laughs> well, we will make sure to, you know, to not share this with thousands of people, uh, you know, around the world. So, you know, she can, sure. she can keep that little secret to herself. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't tell her name. So I guess it's still okay. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll definitely need to make sure that you share that. So what is her name? Her name is Yulia Pakalina. So that's, a multi, that's her name. A multi-Olympic uh, <laughs> A medal winner. Fantastic. <laughs> so, yes. Mohammed, what's a funny story that your family likes to, to tell about you that you'd be willing to share with us? Ooh, I was not expecting that. <laughs> the, the problem is I have so many stories that I am sure my family would... They, so, I was the baby of the family. Uh, I am still the baby of the family. Uh, I am five of the siblings and I'm the last... And so my family always looked to me as the baby of the house and pampered me and, you know, took care of me. Uh, and even in my adulthood, as I started my business and everything, my, my siblings are always overprotective, <laughs> wanting to make sure nobody tries to take advantage of me or, you know, I know what I'm doing and so forth. So I guess a funny story I don't know if it's a funny story. It must be funny from my siblings' perspective, but it was not that funny from my perspective. <laughs> is uh, when that's exactly because I was the, the type <laughs> of story we want to hear. Sure. So I was, I was obviously the favorite of my parents, and I got anything and everything I wanted because if I went crying to my dad, my dad would just buy it or whatever. So my my elder brothers convinced me into going to my dad and getting a brand new Atari at the time. Uh-huh. And they were like, yeah, for your birthday, you should ask for an Atari. And like, it's the coolest thing. Make sure you tell dad to get you an Atari. <laughs> so I end up getting the Atari because they told me to get it. And I was still too young to know, like mm-hmm. to be completely able to play it like fully. Right. Yeah. And I was probably like five or six years old. And I remember this very well because I got the Atari and I never got to play it because my <laughs> brothers just played the whole time. <laughs> We only had like two joysticks. So they ended yeah. up playing the whole time and I could yeah. never play. And I'm like, why the hell did I fall for this? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so Mohammed, tell us about how your business came about. And at what point did you have the confidence that you could run your own business? Sure. So I um, was pursuing my computer science degree at the University of Houston. And, you know, I just had moved to the country when I was 16 for high school and so I was still an international uh, immigrant studying in the school. Uh, and I was still in the process of my immigration and everything. So at the time, as I was looking for jobs, in, uh, as I was getting close to my senior year, I was in my junior year, I started to look for jobs and I couldn't, I couldn't get through the interviews or get calls even because I wasn't considered um, a US citizen mm. at the time. So I, you know, I didn't get a lot of calls and, and then even when I did interview, a lot of the companies were like, yeah, we're looking to outsource all our work to India because at that time it was the Y2K boom had just happened and, you know, jobs were moving overseas. 
So I started to debate, what do I do? Because I, I went into this career, uh, you know, pursuit of computer science because at the time it was a hot thing. People are giving away Porsches to as a joining business back in the day in 1998, So this is 2003 and things were not very good for computer scientists at the time. So as I began to think, contemplate, I was like, man, there are more jobs in India than <laughs> in the US. So what do I do? And then my brother gave me an idea. Hey, I'm based out of Bangalore, India. Let's start a company where I can get higher developers and you could start a business. And I had this idea of like, okay, let's, let's start the business. So I was still 20 years old pursuing my computer science degree had just entered my senior year. So started the company and um, within 10 years of uh, running the company, I believed I had hit the pinnacle of success. Like our company had over 300 employees and I was living the American dream. I was driving my cars, Porsche included, um, flying planes across Texas. And I believed like, this is it. I've done it. I'm 30 years old and I'm living the life. Yeah. And uh, a two, three years after that, our company was on the verge of bankruptcy and I was almost about to lose everything, um, including my home. <laughs> I had seven figure debt and, and uh, you know, people were quitting left and right. Uh, we were losing clients and projects and I was at a crossroads of what to do. And then uh, our darkest day arrived. I had to lay off almost a hundred employees in one day. And I did so in a very inhumane manner. I'm, not very proud of it, still reeling in from it. And after that, I kind of lost my confidence, my ability, like I had no like drive because I was like, okay, this is a total failure on my part. I, I, you know, for the longest time, I kept blaming my team, our clients, the industry, the economy. But this time around, it was a little different. I was like, I really don't know if the doors of software are going to remain open. I don't know how to function anymore. So I was at an all-time low. But thanks to a football game a few weeks later you know, from my alma mater, University of Houston, I, ha- I learned about what is called the culture of love from then coach Tom Herman. And I was very inspired by witnessing a comeback victory. And so I, was, I got rejuvenated, excited to come back and fight for software. And I heard about coach Herman talk about the success and resilience of that football team was because of the love they had for one another. And it wasn't the love you broke kind of love. It was the genuine, you have my heart in your hand kind of love. Mm. And I began to introspect and question in a moment of introspection. I asked myself, do I love my team? And the answer was no, I didn't. Mm. And that's when I began to commit to figuring out how could I become a leader that loves my team and creates a culture of love. So I committed to go on a journey of transformation with no destination uh, where I would learn to not lead my team, but serve my team mm. and uh, committed to becoming a, um, an uh, empathetic, trusting, um, inclusive leader that creates a circle of safety where our teams are empowered and to learn, make mistakes and forgive one another, thereby creating an environment of inclusion and belonging. And I'm not there yet. It's like I said, it's a journey. I keep having to improve. But as I began on that journey, the rest of our team 
began to see those changes in myself and they began to see the effort and the attempts I was trying to rectify my behaviors. I still made mistakes, but they eventually had more grace for me. They were able to be more forgiving of me mm. and they gave me a chance and they decided to commit beside me and stick out to fight for software versus going and taking another job, even in terms of financial uncertainty. And our business as a result went from surviving to thriving within three years. And we tripled our revenue, dropped our attrition from 30% to 12%. Our EBITDA improved by 45 percentage points from negative 15% to you know, almost 30%. And wow. our client account size went from six figures to seven figures. And we were just like, booming and ultimately our largest customer at the time saw or had the benefit of seeing her transformation through their lens for the last 10 years that we had work, been working with them and their um our stakeholders there you know began were basically would hang out with us more than their own co-workers when we would work <laughs> with them and they came up with this wild idea and said hey uh muhammad we'd love to have a part of software's culture inside of our walls. I wish our leaders would be more like what, how you guys behave. Would you be willing to help us put up a leadership uh, training for our leaders? And we're like, no, that's not what we do. <laughs> we're, we're a technology firm, but you know, they're our biggest clients. So they compelled us. I said, no, 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 you are going to do this. <laughs> And they kind of began to say, I know you've never done this before, but we've gone to the Deloitte's and the McKenzie's and, you know, we have t-shirts to prove that we went to their training, <laughs> but nothing ever changes. Yeah. Um, we'd love for you to try it out and give it a shot. And uh, like, we really believe in you. And so we, they gave us two weeks to do a pilot um, and experiment with leaders from different uh you know, departments, backgrounds, and and regions to come in. And we did a pilot. We got two weeks put it together. And we created what we branded at that time, the Seneca Sessions. Um, and it was a huge success, mm. not because it was perfect, but because we made mistakes. <laughs> in the Seneca Sessions, we ordered too little of food, where we starved. <laughs> We starved our largest customer and because we had never done an event like this. We're a technology firm. We're not event specialists yeah. and training <laughs> specialists. And But what happened was as a result of ordering really less food and people were starving, we heard the grumblings from people, how they were hungry and uh, we didn't want them to get hangry. So one of my project managers came up to me, Mohammed, give me the credit card. Just give me the credit card. And she went and ordered pizzas mm. and it showed up. And, and then I remember standing up there and apologizing, saying, hey, I'm really sorry. This is a pilot. We're learning. We've, we messed up on ordering the food, but we've got pizzas on the way. And, and ultimately, those pizzas were delicious. But at the, <laughs> Um, and at the end of the session, we got feedback that the content was good and everything, but really what made us believe in this program was the fact that you guys practiced what you preached. Mm -hmm. You made a blender. You made a mistake. Mm -hmm. 
blunder and you made a mistake and you actually admitted and apologized mm. and that's what made us uh, so much more authentic and real that we were living out how we worked with each other how we treated each other and lived out the values that we were practicing and from there on i got signed on for a multi-million dollar initiative to travel the whole world and train 1400 leaders across 10 different I, I had to travel to 10 different locations people from 46 different countries showed up and we ended up doing a full world tour in 2019 and we trained 1400 leaders across the globe and in that moment in time uh, we were talking about love and culture of love to people from all backgrounds ethnicities ages faiths at, uh, you know, uh, geographies, and they all resonated to it. Yeah. And they came to us and said, Muhammad, this story has to be shared with the world. You need to write a book. You have to write a book. Yeah. So we got inspired to write a book called Love as a Business Strategy. And since then, we've been uh, founder, founded our new calling and our new purpose, which is to bring back humanity to the workplace. And um, we've been just doing that. And then Gracious, I'm very grateful for you for being gracious and allowing us to sp spread our message and our story with the world. That is so cool. So, um, does the the training umbrella come under the tech company, or do you have two different companies? How does this all work together? Great question. So, when we first started offering this, people were like, "What is a technology company doing with leadership <laughs> training?" And it was never. People struggle to contemplate, wait, your website is your technology firm. So why the hell are you here? Yeah. Um, and so ultimately we did um, brand, branch off a new company called Culture Plus, inspired by ESPN Plus and Disney Plus. Uh, <laughs> you can call us a little bit of a copycat, but we got our trademarks. So we're really excited. Um, and so, yeah, so we started a company called Culture Plus, which also indicates culture ad. Uh, because we don't believe in culture fit, we believe in culture add. Because mm. people come with diverse perspectives and you add them to your culture. You don't look for having them fit in your culture. So we wanted to play on that name. Yeah. So Culture Plus is the company where we offer culture as a service to help organizations transform and strengthen their cultures. And there's always opportunity to strengthen a culture. So we offer leadership experiences to help transform leadership behaviors because we believe leaders create or destroy culture so it starts with them and then we have uh, digital tools and technology products with our background we built some products like to measure culture called culture counter and, and then we also built a pocket coach for helping leaders go through their behavior change in a psychologically safe manner and they're all on their own journey everybody's on their own journey so we wanted to do an individualized mobile application that takes them on their journey of behavior transformation and coaches them and holds them accountable. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, we also help with change management and any other initiatives at HR to bring this culture change and make it a sustainable process for the organization to go on their own journey. So we partner with them to give them playbooks and help with change management and communication as you help organizations go through their culture change. So that's what we offer as culture as a service and Softway is still offering technology and communication services that are more um, studio type creative services together with technology, they go hand in hand. Okay. 
Awesome. Fantastic. Well, congratulations on such an amazing turnaround and, and uh, getting into a, an industry that you didn't even plan to get into. That's, that's fantastic. Thank you. So I, I can assume that along this journey, and you already alluded to it a little bit, it was like, hey, th- this isn't what we were meant to do. So uh, share, tell us a little bit more about um, uh, someone who pushed you or inspired you that you could make this work right? This training company and, and the impact that that person had on the ultimate success that you've been able to achieve. So I've had multiple people who have been our fans and are like inspired me. Some of them don't even know they've inspired me. Some of them have directly been involved. Um, I would say the biggest um, attributed um credit I would give to is the employees of Softway, was the team members, was my coworkers, because they were willing to hold me accountable. They were willing to give me feedback despite the fear Mm. of giving their CEO feedback, right? And they were also willing to be gracious with me and forgiving of me. And so without my team, without them standing beside me, but also really holding me accountable, speaking the truth to power, coming in, having the courage to give me feedback and say, Mo, that was, that was not good. The way you treated (laughs) our team. Yeah. That was not the way you should be treating each other. Um, And, you know, I had written this really nasty uh, email to my company uh, when one day I showed up and the refrigerator was disgustingly dirty and so I wrote a nasty email uh, to my employees and everybody was like, what the hell is wrong with Mohammed?" And in <laughs> fact, it, it got circulated outside of Softway to ex-employees and made it to Glassdoor as well. So you can go read it. It's on Glassdoor. But <laughs> I, I was a horrible CEO in that context. I, tre- I treated people very unfairly. I belittled them. I humiliated them. I had created a culture of fear where I walked the hallways and it would grow quiet. Um, There were people who would quit once they would converse with me. Um, So it just kind of gives you an idea of how I treated our team. So, so a lot of them had no reason to put up with this, Yeah. but they decided to see me as a human decided to see my human side and they were willing to see past my, misbehaviors and empathize with me and provide a support system for me Mm. to go on my journey, a journey of change. Um, And they were willing to forgive me. And that was a big deal because without the people of software, I don't think I would ever have even gone through my personal transformation journey, let alone help software survive and thrive. Awesome. That is amazing. I, I just, I love how, um, how humbly you just described that, which, which based on how you described yourself in that scenario versus now sharing that story, clearly there's been a, a tremendous uh, transformation in you. So congratulations on, on allowing yourself to go through that journey and, and, you know, leaning on others to, to help you get there. Thank you. So, Mohammed, we know that business success doesn't happen in isolation. So tell us about one of your biggest challenges during the years and a fellow business owner who you know, came alongside you and helped you get through that challenge. 
I would have to say, um, like you mean as a business owner who is not involved in my business? It can be involved. Some... Yeah. Just, uh, just okay. you know, there's different, you, you, so you just mentioned one level of interaction is with your employees. So I'm just trying to yes. get a different perspective, right? Of like, what's a business owner interaction that you've had that has helped you along the way. I think our customers, right? Like our customers, especially the, 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 the stakeholders from that large company, unfortunately, I can't name them publicly, but they, they were there, they had witnessed our transformation. They knew uh, a sense of my behaviors, uh, but they had, a, they had just seen it as, oh, that's normal. That's even how my bosses <laughs> work with each other. So right. it's not uncommon to see the softest CEO come and like, you know, everybody like just perks up, sits up straight, like they're like to their best yeah. performance. So, but when they saw the transformation and the, the commitment that I was making to transform, um, I think the fact that they stood up for us and fought with their senior level VPs to fight for getting us to help them with their culture and leadership training was a huge confidence boost. Yeah. for us and for me personally it was flattering but also humbling to see how middle management of this large corporation are willing to put their reputation on the line to have this technology company come and teach their vps yeah. <laughs> and leadership how to behave right. i mean that takes a lot of like not just courage but willing to risk and trust and empower us to go and be successful. So there are quite a few of those middle managers that even till date, I'm like so indebted to them mm. for creating the opportunity, giving us the encouragement, kind of blackmailing me into doing it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but without them pushing us to try something above and beyond our skill sets, yeah. uh, doing something that we had never done before. I don't know if I would have ever found my new purpose and new calling. And so I, I heavily attribute that to them. Mm -hmm. And that's also a point of time that I learned about what I call the power of empowerment. Mm -hmm. When somebody is able to trust you completely without ever witnessing you do something in the past or a skill set or demonstrating something in the past and them saying, no, I genuinely trust you. Mm. I'm confident you're going to be able to do this, but then also be there beside us, setting up, setting us up for success. Yeah. With that trust, they also did everything to make sure we were successful in this endure. And including that, not having anything to eat for lunch. Exactly. I even starved them. I starved our largest customer. Like, think about that. And, and still being forgiving. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like all of those behaviors, all of those, those things that they demonstrated towards someone they didn't really need to. Yeah. Um, I think made me believe in the power of humanity, the power of connection when we see each other despite our differences we're able to like really care for each other and fight for each other and do things for strangers and 
you know, we're not blood related or siblings or relatives or just like business counterparts and yeah. going out of their way to see us succeed and fight with their leadership to give us an opportunity, I think had huge impacts on our organization's trajectory in terms of going from just being successful, but then finding a new purpose, new calling to bring back humanity to the workplace, which now we're we have a whole company dedicated for that. We've written yeah. a book for it and we spread it. We go around speaking engagements for this and spreading this message to thousands of people. And I, I mean, I, I owe that group of individuals wholeheartedly um, a lot. <laughs> I'm indebted <laughs> to them for giving me this opportunity. Yeah. Amazing. So then let's get more specific. If I asked you to pick three people in your business owner journey that you're I'm most grateful for being there for your business's growth. Who are those three people and how'd they help you? I have to put Coach Tom Herman in there as one of them. I think without his inspiration through his press conference where he introduced me to the concept of culture of love, I had heard of love. It's not an uncommon thing, but it's not common to hear that in the workplace or, you know, we, we hear it from the spiritual side or faith side and you know, in movies <laughs> and <Yeah>. everything, but <laughs> but having to witness um, that in a sports team and seeing the success that University of Houston was able to accomplish because they don't have talented players. They don't recruit their small university in terms of football and they don't have five-star players. They recruit that people that nobody else wants. None of these yeah. power five schools want. And yet this coach comes in and harnesses high performance to where they went and beat top five teams and top 25 teams. They didn't lose a single top 25 matchup. And he did that all with players who weren't considered to be great players. And so he built this this high-performing team with resilience and love and care for one another that just the results, they went on to be 13 and one that season and won the Peach Bowl. And and he did this with just players that he inherited as he came in. This is his rookie head coach here. And he did this. (laughs) And so I was so inspired by his message and his action. He would kiss all 110 players on their cheek before they entered the stadium for every single game. And people thought that was weird. (laughs) Um, but he did that on camera and their pictures you can go look it up he kissed every single player on their cheek all 110 of them I wouldn't do that during COVID times but (laughs) he did that and he lived it out and he showed them the care and tough love and like he locked them out of the practice room if they didn't show up by 4 30 a.m like he showed (laughs) tough love plus the love like he brought it all together yeah (laughs) And I was inspired by that, but I was like, I can do this in the workplace. I can try this out in the workplace. And so I definitely owe him. I've tried to reach out to him. I've emailed him, but it goes to his assistant when he was at University of Texas. I've tried to find other ways to reach out to him. If you look at the book, I have a whole page and a half dedicated to him. I'm hoping one day he reaches out to me because I want to share with him how his philosophy and the way he led his team has not only changed the course of the life of strangers, but saved a company, let alone, we wrote a book 
that is inspired by his story yeah. and it has impacted thousands of people and I don't even know if he knows it. <laughs> and by the way, you're referencing the book, so I just want to show it here yes. for folks. Here it is, everyone. Thank you. All right, right Mohammed, who's your second person? The second person I would, I would have to say that uh, the, the employees of Softway, I don't have one person, but I have a bunch of people who've been there through the journey with me. So collectively, I would say my team, my co-authors that are on the book, I wanted them to be a part of this book because I didn't want the book just from my lens. I wanted a book from lens of people who were not in the CEO seat and how they saw our journey and how they participate in the journey because I want more people out there to be inspired that you don't have to be a CEO to see the journey through to transform a culture and to that of love and support. So, so they, on the book, uh, my co-authors are a big part of this journey. Without them, I wouldn't have been able to do this. And then um, the third would be my spiritual mentor. He had a lot to... Uh, do with helping me get through my tough times um, when things were almost like in desperate times he always told me embrace this this is not your punishment this is your blessing because what you're going to learn through this journey is going to help many others in the future so go through this embrace it take the take on the challenges take on the obstacles and the obstacle will become the way for you and and this learning, uh, this, this, these tough times are nothing but a preparation for you to become someone you're, you're meant to be. So embrace it. So I think that encouragement, that guidance, that, um, uh, that, 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 that um, belief in me was a big part of also helping me become more introspective and self-aware, but yet also not giving up. I love it. So um, last question here, if, um, not if, as you think over the next three to five years, uh, what are the biggest challenges that you see that you're going to face in reaching your business goals? And who are the types of people you're going to need to help you solve those problems or challenges? Great question. So very, very impassioned by the bring back humanity to the workplace vision. I want to strive for that. I don't know if I'll be able to achieve it in my lifetime. So, you know, I, I believe I've, I think we've been pretty savvy in putting a business model around it with Culture Plus and offering services, but we're less um, focused on the business goals and more focused on the impact of our vision. And so we believe that if we pursue our vision full-heartedly, money is going to come mm -hmm. and we have proven that. So it's a matter of the impact and the legacy and the change that we want to create. Yeah. And so for us to be successful, it's going to require many more people out there um, who can become firm believers in the concept of humanity at the workplace can help you achieve business results it's not a polarized opposite where if you prioritize people you can't make profit or if you can't if you need to prioritize profit you can't take care of people we believe that taking care of people is the way to make sustainable long-term profits yes. that are a socially responsible way to do it and so we need to create a movement where more and more people can um 
aspire to build those type of environments. And no matter where they're located, everyone works pretty much for a living. Working is such a big part and integral part of our life. And if we all can aspire to work at places and create environments by us contributing to those environments um, where we can feel respected, included, valued, do work that has meaning and purpose, then we can really create a revolution in the workplace where we change how the corporate world Mm. sees the people and operates and treats each other while still achieving meaningful impact to the world, to the communities, to the societies and uh, make a difference. So a small vision of bringing back humanity to the workplace, I think is gonna make a big change to the world, um, which is much needed. And so that's, that's when we know we will be have, we would have been successful, but I'm also realistic to know this may not happen in our lifetime or it may, but I definitely want to have here's, a part in Here's it. what I see already is it is happening Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of that snowball effect, right? Of, you know, one more organization, then one more organization and, and so on and so forth. So I love Got the it. work you're doing. Congratulations on, on making a difference. Um, Thank you. So it, it, it sounds like based on the folks you've mentioned today that you've been blessed with some incredible people in your life that have helped along your journey. So if they were all here on the show today, Mohammed, what would you want to say to them? I am so grateful for them to have grace and forgiveness of me because I know for a fact I have mistreated each and every one of them, except Coach Tom Herman, (laughs) 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 because I haven't had a chance to meet him yet. But (laughs) I would say that um, their, their, their willingness to be gracious, forgiving, and committed and seeing me as a human who is valuable, who makes mistakes and still seeing beyond those mistakes for who I want to be and how I want to be is what I'm forever grateful for them for. And um, yeah, I wouldn't be able to be who I am without them. Obviously my family is a big part of it as well. Um, So yeah, that's what I would want to share with them. And for everyone out there in the world who is looking for, a change in their life, um, work life, workplace life, all of them, I would, I would want to thank them for even taking a chance on reading our book and trying the things at the workplace that could bring a benefit, not just to themselves, but the people around them. Awesome. Fantastic. So Mohammed, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I truly appreciate it, Tim. To everyone who tuned in, thanks for listening to the Self-Made is a Myth show with your host, Coach Tim Campbell. Be sure to help us spread this movement by liking the show and posting about it on your social media. And to join our movement, go to bemadtogether.com. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Make sure to pay it forward, and we'll see you all next time. Take care.